0: When you're experiencing growth in your organization, you can't do everything on your own. And thankfully, you don't have to. With the help of our friends at Belay, you can simplify your life with an assistant and finally stop doing it all. For our podcast listeners, Blay is offering their free download of 25 things you can delegate to an assistant today. Gosh, I can't wait to get my hands on that. All you have to do is text lead to win all one word, to 31996. That's 31996. And in case you're driving, that number is in the show notes for your convenience.
1: Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt.
0: And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller.
1: And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. Well, for the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about hiring a business coach, and that's something every high achiever, every entrepreneur, every senior executive needs. And today we're going to take this a step further and show you how to get the most out of that coaching relationship.
0: This is important because you're making a big investment in coaching. You know, sure. you've probably spent time researching, you've made a big financial commitment, and you you don't want to waste that. You want to get the most out of it. But the problem is it's not always as straightforward as it seems because a lot of people have been burned by bad coaching experiences. You know, we talked in a previous episode about kind of the – Fake coaches or coaches that don't have the credentials they need to really create transformation for you. That could have been a bad experience, or you could have come away just feeling like it was a waste of time, or maybe the coach just didn't deliver what you expected. But that can all make you shy about recommitting to coaching and as a result, not getting the most out of it and not getting a return on your investment. So we don't want that to happen to you.
1: That's right. And I think we have to say at the outset that coaching, when it's done best, is a creative collaboration. It's like dancing, you know, it takes two to tango. And so there's something the coach brings, but there's something you've got to bring, and if you don't bring that thing to the relationship, then you're not going to maximize the value of it. It's going to be a waste of time for you. So we're going to sort of put that under the rubric of three commitments that we need uh to make to virtually guarantee that you see positive change out of a coaching relationship or frankly even attending a conference or any other learning experience. But before we dive into it, we got to bring Larry on because Larry's the guy that guides us
2: through this stuff. Uh, hey, guys. You're the guy. I'm You're the guy. The, I'm the guy. Uh, right now, I am. So <laughs> glad to be here. You know, Michael, uh, last session, I think, or maybe the the week before that, you had shared about a bad coaching experience. I did. I, I had a bad coaching experience. Did you? Yeah, I did. Tell us about it. Well. Was it with me, was it? No. Okay, good. No, it wasn't with you. It was. It was <laughs> in the eighth grade when I decided to go out for football, because every junior high kid wants to play in the NFL, seemingly, right? Can I just say that that was the eight weeks of my life that made me firmly decide I wanted to be a writer? (laughs) 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 It it was mostly yelling, Mm -hmm. very little instruction. Mm. Uh, There was no rapport or any relationship with Mm -hmm. the coach. And it just didn't, uh, it didn't Set me up well for success. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I also didn't like getting knocked down.
0: <laughs> Other than that.
2: Yeah. Do you think that kind of experience does keep people from seeking out coaching
1: because they think of coaching like that?
2: I wonder. I, You know, we talked a couple of uh, weeks ago about maybe a, a generational difference in the way people think about coaching. But uh, for somebody of, uh, shall we per se, say, my particular vintage uh Coach is a pretty harsh word. Mm -hmm. That's a very strong authoritative word. It's not your friend who comes along beside you. right? So yeah, maybe there is that for some people. Yeah. So just to make it clear,
1: we're talking about that positive, encouraging, affirming kind of relationship, certainly accountability. But I kind of believe this about accountability too. I, I don't really believe anybody can hold you accountable. What I do think they can do is make a space for you to hold yourself accountable to the promises that you've made. And I think that's an important distinction because I really don't want to be accountable to somebody else. I want to be accountable to me and to what my goals are and the life I'm trying to create. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Well, I think what we know from goal research is that when you have um, only extrinsic motivations, you know, they're not coming from inside yourself, they're really short-lived You know, you just kind of like burn through them fast and, and the most successful transformation happens when those motivations are internal.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, we're talking about three commitments that are going to help you get the most from your coaching experience. And Megan, you brought us to the first one, which is a commitment to your own growth.
0: Yeah, because you're responsible for your own growth. You know, this is not going to magically happen. You're not going to somehow just kind of get it by osmosis or any other kind of magical thinking you might have. You have to make a commitment that you want to grow. That has to be a value to you. And that's something at Michael Hyden Company, that's a core value of ours, continuous growth that we think about and talk about regularly. That's applied to our product development, but it's also applied to ourselves as leaders. And that's really what we're talking about here is that we never want to stop growing. Um, and that you're willing to make a, an investment in yourself in terms of time and in terms of a financial investment. You're willing to back yourself uh, for the future. And I, and I think that's what we're getting at with coaching and making this commitment to your growth.
1: Yeah, I would say half of the results you get are going to be what you put into it. Right. And there's this verse from Proverbs that I love. It says, to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Now think about that. You know, if you're hungry enough, you can learn even from a bad teacher. And I'm not suggesting that you find a, a bad coach, but I'm saying that, that that there's a lot of the responsibility for the experience that's on you and what you bring to the table, and particularly this first commitment, your commitment to grow. You know, if you're absolutely committed to grow, you can learn from all kinds of people, all kinds of situations. You won't be satisfied until you squeeze the juice out of every experience. And so you can take, you know, a stimulation that you get from listening to a book or reading a book or from your coach and apply that but you've got to do that part of it you know the, you've got to meet the coach halfway you got to have a commitment to your own growth
0: well you talk a lot about at our coaching program business accelerator when our clients are there for their first intensive that the, their breakthrough is their own responsibility you know, it's not your job as the coach to create a breakthrough. It's your job as a coach to kind of create the fertile ground for a breakthrough. Yes. But it's the client's responsibility to get that breakthrough, to show up, to, um, you know, really have a commitment to themselves that they're not going to leave without a breakthrough no matter what. And I'll tell you what, we can tell the clients that have that commitment to themselves and the clients that don't, the ones that are taking personal responsibility for um, their own growth and progress and the ones that are just kind of looking at you with their arms crossed expecting you um, or one of our other coaches to just deliver some kind of magical fairy dust of a breakthrough. And those people don't last very long. And they also don't get the breakthroughs that they were hoping for.
1: Yeah. It's almost like the people that have their arms crossed. And and thankfully, you don't have too many of these. But the people that have the body language that says, you know, I dare you, wow me. Right. You know, it's your job to to create the breakthrough for me. No, I'm sorry. You know, like you said, I'm going to do my best to facilitate a conversation where you can have a breakthrough. But the people that I know that take their own personal growth seriously are the people that are taking voracious notes, people that are fully engaged in the conversations in the room, people that come up and ask me questions. You know, those are the people that I know that are committed to personal growth because they're doing their own work.
0: And that commitment really needs to precede you showing up for coaching the first time. You know, we're going to get into some things in a minute, kind of like what you need to do when you're there. But before you ever start, this is really about having the right mindset. You know, if you have the right mindset before you start coaching, the value, the return on investment that you're going to get from whatever program you're engaged in is so much greater than if you come into it cynical um, or not taking responsibility or distracted or something like that.
1: I would take it a step further even to say, you know, if you come in with the wrong attitude, I don't care if you have the world's best coach, the most brilliant coach that's ever been born, you will not get jack out of that experience. But on the other hand, even if you don't have a brilliant coach, if you've got the right attitude, if you're committed to your own growth, you'll find something there to
2: fuel that. Well, we've cited a couple of times over these last two or three weeks, this study of executive coaches that was conducted. And one of the conclusions of that study was that the executives most likely to benefit from coaching are those who have, and this is a quote, a fierce desire to learn and grow.
0: Yeah. And you can tell the difference, you know, when you're coaching, you can pick those clients out without ever talking to them. You can tell by their body language. You can tell, you know, by how they engage with other people, all those things you can tell. And they are the ones that become the star clients.
1: I hesitate to say this, but oftentimes you can tell by the people that sit at the front of the room. Uh-huh. you know, because they want to be in close proximity to the teacher. They want to be where the action is. Right. Or if it's in a one-on-one coaching call, they're not late. You know, they're on time. They're prepared. They've done their homework because
2: they're they're ready
1: to get to work and, and study and mm-hmm. grow.
2: Well, commitment number one is a commitment to your own growth. This isn't like compulsory education when you were in high school or junior high. Right. Nobody's making you be there. Show up because you want to learn and grow. Commitment number two is a commitment to fully engage.
0: This reminds me of the idea of playing full out. Mm -hmm. You know, that when you show up to something, you are going to give it 100%. You are going to you know, take notes like you were talking about a minute ago. You were going to answer the questions. You're going to dig deep. You're going to push yourself past your comfort zone. You're going to be all in for that period of time. You're not going to be checking email. You're not going to be making calls, leaving, you know, your coaching to go make a call to your office. Um, you're going to treat it like the most important thing you're going to do that quarter if it's a quarterly program. And uh, that's called playing it full out. And, and again, you can tell the difference between the people who have made that commitment to themselves and the ones who haven't.
1: Well, I remember going to a conference years ago, and I was sitting next to somebody that had their arms crossed, that wasn't doing the exercises, wasn't taking any notes. And I finally asked at a break, I said, How do you, how's it going? And he said, uh, oh, not that impressed. Well, of course not. He wasn't engaging at all. He wasn't doing any work. He wasn't doing anything. And so it's, it's no wonder. It, it, you're doing this for your own benefit. You're engaging for your own benefit. If you don't engage, you're not going to get the experience. You're not going to get the breakthrough. Mm
0: -hmm. Another way that you can engage is by being vulnerable, you know, asking questions of the coach that maybe make you feel a little bit exposed, but are really important or your fellow uh, Mm -hmm. clients, you know, just to, to really be vulnerable and also to be generous, you know, to be generous with the way you help people, the advice you share. You know, we have, um, an aspect of our business accelerator coaching, uh, where the clients get to help each other with the problems that they're facing in their business right there. And it's so fun to watch. They Mm -hmm. get tons of breakthroughs, but that's a great place where you really need to be both vulnerable and generous because somebody at the table probably has the answer that you need, but only, they're only gonna be able to help you if you're vulnerable. And you probably have the ability to really help someone if you're willing to be generous. But all that is, um, kind of an aspect of being fully engaged once you're in coaching.
2: It takes a little bit of humility yeah. to really do that, doesn't
0: it? It really does. I mean, you can kind of sit back and be asking the question the whole time you're there. You know, am I am I ahead of these people or behind these people? You know, in other words, it's all about me. It's all about what they think of me or what I think of them. And and that's just a waste of your time and everyone else's. It's not about you primarily.
1: Well, this is where it sometimes gets manifest is that people pretend to be something they're not. Right. And it kind of goes back to the point you were making about being vulnerable and being willing to admit it's kind of like I go to my financial advisor and I try to pretend Unfortunately, you know, he knows all the, the depths of my financial mistakes and, you know, the good things and the bad things and all that. So I can't really pretend, but it'd be, it'd be easy in a coaching relationship to make it sound better than it is, you know, to kind of put the icing on the, on the cake and, or somebody said, put, you know, lipstick on a pig, but the, the more you could admit that you got a problem. And the more honest you can be, the faster you're going to get to a solution.
0: Right. It's like going to the doctor and not being honest about your symptoms. And then you get the diagnosis you need or the treatments you need. You know, the more honest you can be, the better. But um, that that aspect of being fully engaged is critical to success in coaching.
1: I want to, I want to say one other uh, thing here. And that is, I think it's really important to suspend disbelief. And here's what I mean by that. All of us have opinions. All of us have experience. We think we know the ways that the world works. And we have these narratives about how the world works. And you come into a situation where somebody doesn't share those same beliefs or those same narratives. And you've got to kind of put yours on the shelf and say, you know, maybe there's another way to approach this that I haven't thought of before. Maybe there's a different perspective or a different viewpoint. And so I'm willing to put mine on the shelf and not be defensive, but be open And, you know, I think the Buddhists call this beginner's mind, Mm -hmm. you know, but to approach this with beginner's mind, like, what if I didn't really know the answers? What if I didn't have any experience in this particular topic that we're talking about right now? How would I approach it as a total learner from ground zero? And I think that's helpful.
0: By the way, we're not talking about like violating our conscience. You yeah. know, we're not we're not talking about being in a situation, you know, at some conference, for example, where, you know, you're being asked to do something that you just feel like is totally antithetical to your belief system. But you also, as a mature leader, should have the ability to be in a situation where people have you know, great diversity of thoughts and beliefs and glean something useful out of those in many cases, you know, even if you're not in alignment 100%. It's not all or nothing necessarily. Well, I'll give
1: you a good, good example. I, I walked into a conference one time that was actually put on by my coach, and it was a situation where I was in a room with about 80 people from a couple dozen different countries. A lot of different religious viewpoints represented. And I'm thinking to myself, as I go into this conference, I'm thinking, wow, I don't know how this is going to go because I don't have that much in common. You know, I mean, not all of us really speak the same language. We kind of have English as a a common base, but all these different religious viewpoints and all of that from all over the world. And one of the first exercises they did is they said, we want you to get with two other people at your table, and we want you to come up with a list of everything you have in common. And so I, I can remember on my list with the two people I had, we had 82 things that we came up with that we had in common. Whoa. And so these were people from different religious backgrounds, from completely different countries, and yet we had all the big things in common. Hmm. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, the the intimate details of our belief or our religious beliefs or any of that, but I'm just saying
2: we like all love our humans. kids.
1: Yeah, we, we all love our kids. We all want, you know, a better life for them. You know, we value honesty and integrity. And I mean, it was just, it was amazing. Then all of a sudden I felt like, even though there's a couple dozen different countries represented here, all these different religions, I have so much in common with these people.
0: That's really cool. But that comes
1: from being Mm open-minded, you know, and and I'm not saying I went into that conference with an open mind, but I saw the value of being open-minded.
2: Well, from the learning environments that I've been in, uh, I can tell you some of the behaviors that have been valuable to me and I think would be valuable to others One is to get rested and go in refreshed, uh, especially if you're paying money for it, maybe traveling for it. You've got to allow the margin to enter it with full energy. And I like to arrive early. It shows respect to the presenter, shows that you're all in. You get to meet some of the people that you will be participating with, and that's helpful. And sit where you can see and hear well. I find that sitting up front avoids distractions. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can be focused on what's happening. This is really hard, but put your phone away.
0: This is critical. Very critical. Probably of all the things on this list, this is the most important. I can't tell you how often I've seen people sit there and they're answering email. They paid all this money to be at a coaching intensive or a really expensive conference, and they're just doing their day-to-day work, and you're thinking... You're like leaking money right now, you know, and and your your breakthroughs just passing you by.
1: You
2: know, to say it another way, you can't engage unless you disengage yeah. with the other stuff. Like the principle in the book Scarcity, you're putting a bandwidth tax on yourself. Mm. You're not getting the full download because you're using some of your bandwidth to upload other thoughts and and be somewhere else. A good metaphor. I think taking notes is so critical. Writing reinforces learning. We talk about that a lot on Lead to Win. uh, But taking notes will help you get more from the experience and asking questions. What a shame it would be to go to the place where you can get questions answered and not ask them.
0: I got to tell you a story, Larry. We just finished our Focus Leader live uh, conference this week, and we had a guy who was there who I think he said he was 26 years old, right? And we did a Q&A after every one of our six sessions, you know, and had a handful, maybe five or 10 people that would come up and, and ask questions. And this guy came up three times? I
1: think that's right. Maybe
0: four. And every time he had a really thoughtful, humble, vulnerable, eager question to ask, And I mean, he was probably the youngest person there by Mm. 10 years easily. And I was so impressed by how eager he was because he was not going to leave that conference without whatever breakthrough he came for. And that's what we all need to do.
1: Curiosity is a mark of a good leader. Mm -hmm. It's also a, a mark of intelligence. So the more curious you can be, the more questions you ask. Those
2: are the people that go further faster. That's right. I think it's critical too, to engage with other people The break time is not time to make the phone calls. I mean, sometimes you have to do that, but uh, that's time to drill down with your peers and find out what they're learning and what they're taking away and get your questions answered from them. And it took me a long time to learn this one, but do the exercises and the assignments. It's not just busy work. This really helps you learn and apply what you're learning to your own situation. I can say in our own coaching program, we are so thoughtful about that. I mean, the questions
1: that we have for the group discussions, uh, the questions we have for the personal exercises, those are not busy work. That is work that's designed to take the content and help people sort of import it into their life and make it part of their life. And that doesn't happen unless you fully engage.
2: I can say for myself, when I started to make the most progress in my life is when I began to go to these learning opportunities like conferences and coaching and not try to discount the success of people who had succeeded above me, but try to find out what they know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It makes such a huge difference to be open Mm -hmm. to learning from others. Finally, stay for the entire time. When you're thinking about making that flight or do it? can I skip the last Q&A and just squeeze out early to get home, you're just not going to get the most benefit from the event.
1: No, and and sometimes the breakthrough comes in that last 15 minutes. You know, it may be that, you know, something somebody else says or something your coach says, but sometimes it happens in the last few minutes. I I want to milk every bit of it. I'm paying for all of it. I want all of it.
0: Hey everyone, I wanted to slip a quick note inside this episode to tell you about something really exciting happening later this week. We've got a special episode of Lead to Win that's going to hit your inbox on Thursday. Now, you may know that we are huge fans of Belay and have been so for a long time. You may also know that they provide virtual assistance to overwhelmed executives and leaders. And as usual, my dad was one of their early adopters. This episode will feature two of his very first virtual assistants, Susie Barber, who's our Senior Director of Operations and has been on this podcast many times before, and Trisha Shortino, who's now the CEO of Belay. You're going to hear how the company started and how it was instrumental, actually, in The founding of Michael Hyatt and Company. They'll also talk about how to find and leverage an executive assistant, and they're going to give their top 10 tips for working with an EA. If you need an executive assistant, have one, or are one, don't miss this bonus episode Thursday on Lead to Win.
2: Well, commitment number one to getting the most out of a coaching experience is a commitment to your own growth. Commitment number two is a commitment to fully engage. And commitment number three, a commitment to take action.
0: This one is so important because at this point, you've kind of gotten yourself into the right mindset, you've attended the coaching event, but now... The rubber meets the road. What are you going to do with it? And if you don't take action, if you don't implement the things that you've learned, then it's just kind of more information. And none of us really need more information. What we need is more and better application and execution. And the only way that's going to happen is if you carve out time to implement these things. So we recommend in our coaching program that people book the day after the coaching intensive to implement the things that they've learned, whether that's, um, you know, more forms or things that they want to fill out, tools that they've learned that they want to complete, or delegations that they want to send to someone on their team, or things that they want to think through at a deeper level. Those things are very, very difficult to do once you get back in your business. You know, when you're, when you're in the throes of the daily operations of a business, there's just not time to think about taking action on new stuff. You're just already consumed with taking action on the stuff you decided to do months and months ago. So, so, um, strike while the iron's hot. And as you often say, dad, you know, never leave the scene of a breakthrough, you know, without taking action. And I think that's what we're encouraging people to do here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and we want to give space inside the coaching program to, for people to take action right there. Sure. You know, but there's only so much you can do in the context of the coaching session itself. Really the real transformation happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why if you don't come in with that mindset, you know, if you come sort of in with the mindset of, okay, I'm going to give a day to this, or if you're in one-on-one coaching, I'm going to give an hour to this, but you know, you better fix me or give me a breakthrough or do something because I have no time outside of this to do it. Well, you might as well not even do coaching because you've got to allocate that time. And I would say that it probably needs to be a one-for-one kind of exchange. In other words, I agree. for every hour that you're in coaching – you probably ought to think about another hour that you're going to do the application. It may not all happen on the day after it may happen in the weeks that follow, but plan your execution.
0: Well, that's a good point. So in addition to giving yourself time to kind of continue to think through it, you've just learned maybe the day following or the hour following, if you're doing one-on-one coaching, you also need a book time for the execution. So yes. maybe it's a, a meeting you need to have with someone. You're going to get a big breakthrough in your coaching intensive. Now you've got to go have a meeting with somebody on your team, or you need to spec out a job description for somebody you want to hire, or, you know, you want to create something, whatever it is, if you don't schedule it before you leave and do it immediately Chances are it's going to get crowded out. You'll forget about it. You will be amazed at the amnesia that you have once you've left. Totally. And so you've got to take action while that inspiration is there. Because really, coaching is all about creating breakthroughs. But then it's on you to execute on those breakthroughs once you That's leave. That's
2: right. Let me come at that from another angle. What about coming away from an experience like that and being like so overwhelmed with the massive changes that you need to make? that it's either very disruptive to your business or paralyzing, perhaps you've had a boss or been that boss who comes back to the office and everybody dreads when they get back from their coaching or from the conference because it's going to be a whole paradigm shift and they're going to want to throw out everything that's happened before. How do you make this actually doable and manageable in the context of a business that has to keep functioning?
1: Well, here's one of the things I do. During the day, and I'm part of a coaching program now that's a, a day-long event once a quarter, and that's actually the format that, that we use for our coaching clients too, I'm taking notes, but I have one sheet at the back of the workbook or one page at the back of my notebook that's allocated specifically for actions. So every time I think of an action, I want to take it. Maybe a book that, it, that the coach mentions that I want to buy. It maybe something much more radical. I'll just list that. Then I want to go back and prioritize those things. And so I can't do everything, but what are the most important things that I can do that are going to get that are going to drive the biggest results? And then I think as a as a leader you have to be self-aware enough to know how much can my organization metabolize at once. You know, what I don't want to do is, you know, force feed them and cause them to choke and die. You know, I want to be able to meet out the kind of change that needs to happen in the right order and in the right frequency so that nobody gets sick from it. And I don't want to be the guy that comes back You know, and everybody dreads me coming back because, oh, my God, what did you learn, you know, at the coaching session this time?
0: One of the things that can be really helpful to that end is when you're talking to your team about some changes that you want to make, and this is good, any kind of change, is to frame it up as uh, or from the perspective of why is this good for them? You know, how does this help them? How does it alleviate a problem, create an opportunity? Um, Because if you just make it all about yourself, you know, this is going to make my job so much easier. This is going to help me make so much more money. This is going to help me get so many things off my plate. Why does that matter to them? You know, and if you don't communicate that, it's really difficult to get buy-in and then it's really hard to get alignment. So I think if you come at it from that perspective, you're going to get a lot more enthusiasm than if they feel like you're just coming back and creating chaos and a ton more work for them with no discernible benefit.
1: I have, I've increasingly tried to frame these up as an experiment when I come back. You know, hey, let's just try this. And we did an entire episode on developing an experimental mindset. But I think it's a good way to sell anything.
0: It is. And the truth is probably half of the things we try, we don't continue. You know, we really That's do right. um, see them as an experiment and they can be great. Some of them have been really lasting and others, you know, we tried and they didn't quite work for us and we've just moved on.
1: Honestly, everything's an experiment. There's nothing we don't implement that's not an experiment, because the moment it stops working or doesn't continue to work, we're going to abort and go to something else.
2: Well, today we've learned that every leader can get maximum benefit from a coaching relationship by making three commitments. The first is a commitment to your own growth. The second, a commitment to fully engage. And the third is a commitment to take action. So Megan and Michael, any final thoughts?
0: There is so much agency that you have as a coaching client. It's easy to think so much about the coach that you select and the program that you're getting into. And all that is really important. We've talked a lot about that, but you are the other half of the equation for success. And when you implement these three commitments, your chances of success, of having huge breakthroughs and tremendous return on your investment are, uh, are really big.
1: I just think it, you know, to think of it as a dance and How can I bring my best self to this equation so that we have the best performance together? How can it be a creative collaboration that works for both of us?
2: Well, this is both practical material and I think inspiring too. Inspires us to take our own growth more seriously. So thank you guys.
1: You bet. Thank you, Larry. Thank you guys for joining us today. And we'll see you right here next week. Until then, lead to win.
2: And finally, you like to use expressions that are from the south. I use one from the north. Stay till the last dog is hung.
0: Wow. Stay
2: stay the entire time. Did you say home or hung? Hung. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought you said. I don't get that one. Yeah. I don't get it either, but it's a thing. <laughs> All right. You know, let's, let's use let, a let, different let, one. Well, let's say it would be too distracting. And-
0: You know, we talk a lot about productivity and making sure as leaders that we're focused on what truly matters, but you can't do that if you're trying to do everything needed to run a business all by yourself, right? That's why our friends at Belay have been helping leaders like you and me for nearly 10 years to simplify their lives with the right assistance. They match busy leaders with exceptional virtual executive assistants and bookkeepers. They do that by having a team searching the U.S. for extraordinary people who have the experience that you need. For our podcast listeners, Belay is offering their free download of 25 things you can delegate to an assistant today. Text lead to win all one word, to 31996. That's 31996. And again, if you're driving, we have that number in the show notes.